0: Welcome back, everybody. This is the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. We're here every week to hit you with the bad news that sin is everywhere. When Adam sinned, everything felt it. Everything fell with him. The curse of sin covers every aspect of creation and of human experience and of the human heart itself. And we're also here to tell you that the story doesn't end there, that the scope of redemption is as wide as the scope of sin. It's good news for us today, because I've got Pastor Jacob Rayome with me on the show. Jacob's the pastor at Trinity Bible Chapel in Waterloo area, and today we're talking about white nationalism. Th- this is a problem that's, uh, that's showing itself up more and more in Canadian society. It's not a uniquely Canadian phenomenon, but it has a uniquely Canadian expression here that we're dealing with. And Jacob's here to talk about the misplaced sense of white identity, talking about the cultural decay that, uh, that Canada has experienced and the sense of rootlessness and lack of identity and the anger that stems from a sense of fear and despair and not knowing what's going on in the world around us. Beyond all of that, Jacob lays out the gospel solution to this problem and to every problem that is found in a repentance and a acknowledgement that nothing we have is any good, and that our need before and after everything is the cross of Jesus Christ. Pastor Jacob Rayom, uh, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure uh, to be talking to you with Ryan, talking with you,
2: Ryan.
0: So, Jacob uh we had uh, we had emailed a little while ago um about a uh an incident that uh, that sparked this in your mind and it was sort of concurrently uh on my mind over here is uh is the the issue of the rise of white nationalism uh in Canada and uh, and you, you had an interaction recently i think at uh, the University of Waterloo that uh, that just sort of Reinforced uh, what uh, what the, what the issue is here and what's at stake. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, about that event?
1: Right. So I was on a, a panel discussion at the University of Waterloo that pertained to freedom of speech and uh, and and then specifically how that applies to issues of gender and sexuality, and so I guess my role as a local pastor was to articulate the Christian position on sexuality and gender and how the cross of Jesus Christ uh, covers the sins of those and, and speaks to the forgiveness of sins for those who would repent of their sexual sins and immorality. So. And then, on the panel discussion, um I was not surprised when uh, there was a you know a social justice lawyer that spoke and was put off by some of the things that we had said and articulated sure. but i what but what did surprise me was um a a group of young men who were very angry uh with society and actually advocated. Um, the use of violence to seize power uh, and bring about some type of revitalization of Western civilization for what they termed, or at least what one of the individuals termed, for his
0: people. So what, this was a panel discussion. Uh, were, were you the only one who responded to them, or was there, a, maybe, maybe I'll back up, uh, how, how did you respond to that?
1: Well one of the individuals on the panel um talked about you know the message of Jesus is not one of seizing political power by the use of violence, and I thought that was a very that was a very good response because we know that the Kingdom of God does not advance that way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This is very clear the kingdom of God advances through taking up the reproach of the cross and through proclaiming the message of the cross and through prayer but and through changing the changing of hearts. And so, uh, but then I I wanted to make a point of speaking with those young men afterwards, because I was, I was concerned about the level of, I guess, anger. And, but I, my sense is the anger was stemming from, from despair and fear over what they are witnessing going on, uh, transpiring in the world in our particular, in our country. I mean, I'm, I mean I've seen dramatic social change uh in my lifetime and I and I, and the, and I could see how it would produce a level of angst without a, experiencing the sweetness of the gospel within your own life so I wanted to talk to them afterwards and understand where these ideas were coming from and then I shared with them uh what I'm doing is I look out and I see the absolute collapse and deterioration of Canadian society, and what I'm doing is I'm putting my trust in the Lord, knowing that uh, He He sometimes historically and scripturally has brought things right down to the wire before He um, intervenes in a very powerful, significant way to reverse the trends, and and so I'm essentially I told them I'm cultivating my own garden. I'm raising my children and discipling them and, um, you know, and taking care of my home and I'm putting flowers in my flower bed and I'm preaching and attempting to disciple the church that I pastor. And so this is the lot that the Lord has given me and I want to be faithful in it. And hopefully other people will uh, follow that example and be faithful with whatever size lot the Lord gives them. And so I tried to offer them the hope of, of the gospel uh in this and and um i think it, it i hope i hope it was a, a seed of joy that was planted within these hearts of of despair
0: right and uh, the uh the response that you you just mentioned there um i i think that uh, that sometimes um christians will hear that uh, you know in the in the midst of cultural decay cultural collapse we're trusting the lord like so far so good um but a, a lot of christians will hear that and think yes we're trusting the lord uh for heaven for later to rapture us out of uh, out of this present evil age but uh, but you said something immediately on the heels of that that you know you're you're preaching the gospel you're you're uh planting a flower bed like you are you're getting your hands dirty in this world you're it's not uh can you just say say a little bit more about the hope of the gospel um for this world
1: yeah well one of the things that i've been uh teaching my congregation and i mean i just finished preaching through the sermon on the mount is the lord changes the heart and the heart changes the person and the person changes the world and so the kingdom of god is such that it, it but Christ reigns in the heart of the believer, but it doesn't stop there. That reign is extended to anything um, that over which the believer has dominion, and so I have dominion over a number of things in my life, and and these and this is where this is where I'm attempting to extend, not by carnal means, but by the power of God within me, uh, His dominion, and. Is would an accountant uh, who is a Christian, as would um, a person who works on the assembly line at Toyota, is would a stay-at-home mom, um, these people all have, who are Christians and have been regenerated, have the power of God within them, and they will extend whatever their dominion is, however big or however small, they will extend the reign of Christ and that, you know, it could be a postage stamp, it could be a few hectares, but whatever it is, they will they will extend the dominion of Christ. And this is this is our this is our task as believers in Jesus Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And amen. Um with with that in mind, uh Jacob, can you sort of maybe contra contrast that with some of the some of the, the fears and the anxieties that uh, that you've seen on display and just talk about w- where this is coming from and why specifically you see you see that this is going to be a problem in society?
1: Yeah, I do think this level of anger um, is is going to be a problem. I've I've seen it in other places, and it's something that I guess I've had my ear to the ground um, to for probably a year, a year and a half. I've been paying attention to various trends and voices, and we have a. I see several factors at play um, and we have a generation, I think specifically of white Canadians um, like myself uh, who who've been given no valuable sense of identity okay and so my my grandfather's generation. And his grandfather's generation would have at least grown up within a Canada that had some vestiges or remnant or even something more robust than a vestige or remnant of a Christian foundation and a vision for family and for society and so on. An imperfect society as it was then, there was still some type of transcendent vision that was offered them. And so now you have a generation Who've grown up here, and basically, what it their identity is Canadian, specifically, is about as deep as um, you know. We drink Tim Hortons coffee, and uh, the beaver is our national uh, animal. And beyond that, there's no attachment to history.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, there's there's no sense of who we are, and and then. and and so this is going somewhere. There's a few factors at play. And then on top of this lack of identity for this particular demographic that I'm observing, there's, there's a calling of so many things, racism. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're seeing this in a lot of different places. And even if you express concerns on the present rate of, immigration or illegal immigration, you can be very quickly labeled as a racist. And even if there's no racist intent in your concerns, you just want to say, look, we, we need some controls in place here, and so on. Um, we're seeing this in very it's evangelical, even conservative, reformed voices now articulating something very similar. Where A lot of people are saying racist, and it's not necessarily the historic definition of the word racist so right. when this type of thing happens you have a group of people who are so used to being called racist that they begin to become numb to it it's almost like the little boy who cried wolf okay mm-hmm. um i think i think this is going on with a number of people and then, and then this concept within that this concept of white privilege that we're seeing discussed again Um, also within Reformed evangelical circles at this particular point in time. Uh, Something that Pastor Tom Askell recently called, he said, white privilege is now being, it's basically the original sin of what must be repented of amongst um, particularly white men who, because they're white and because they're men, are perceived to be privileged and therefore are to bear some type of guilt for this. And so you, you have this generation of, of rootless people, you have the calling of so many things racism, you have this concept of, of white privilege, and then you have a, a generation that has been taught um, that there is no, there's, there's really no transcendent morality, um, and there's no such thing as truth, even to the point where you can redefine gender. Um, you, this is, this is not transcendent. And your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And you, and and so you add all of these things together. And I think what it's doing is it's creating a perfect storm again, within this particular demographic, which would be, um, and I'm not labeling all white men. I'm a white man. Okay. And I, and I'm, I, I, I want to express love and tenderness and concern for all people and not to be possessed by anger or bitterness or vitriol or rage. And there are many others like that, but I, I think there is a, there's certain circumstances that lead to greater temptations, as I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And, and there's fears that come up uh, within the human heart. And so this is, this is creating a vacuum and, Somebody is going to speak into this vacuum, and it's a lot easier to cater to the flesh um, and elicit anger to control people than it is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is simply a call to empty us of ourselves and look to the Lord Jesus for our hope. If that makes sense. Yeah, now
2: Totally. I, I
1: guess I, I want to. I just want to add the caveat. Like I've talked about racism and, and so on, I I do think that there's such a thing as racism. Um, I've, sure of course i've cer- I've certainly seen it in the in the sinful sense but again because there's so many things being called racist now it's just watered down the word to so the word is almost becoming meaningless and so i i tend to think in biblical categories so you know you would define racism in i guess the classic sense well it's a, a hatred towards people it's a it's a it's an application of unjust standards it's Right, so it's a partiality towards people that is unjust. That would be the classical sense, but now it's it's moving on to be something else. But yet, people are still taking the guilt of this classical definition of racism and bringing it into these other categories.
0: Right. If that makes if that makes yeah. sense, right? Yeah. No, I understand. And I, I, yeah. and I can yeah. provide
1: anecdotal evidence too of of quotes that I've heard from pastors or newspaper articles that this is this is this is happening and and they're saying something is racist but that particular thing that they're calling racist is not is not sin is defined by scripture but then there are instances of racism that are clearly sin
0: mm-hmm. so
2: mm-hmm.
1: so you have the watering down of the concept where the concept is going to become meaningless
0: yeah yeah and there's probably on the part of of some of these people that uh that you're referring to there's I can, I can imagine like a, I don't like a, like an insult fatigue, like fine, go ahead and, and call us racist. Doesn't need, doesn't mean anything.
1: Yes, that's, that's exactly right. It's like, well, I'm between a rock and a hard place. So, I mean, if you're going to call me, and again, this is not my thinking, but this would be the thinking of of others. If you're going to call me a racist, that might as well really be a racist. Right, Right. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that's the right reaction, but I'm, I mean, as a, as a as a one who understands Scripture, I understand human nature, and I and I observe human nature. That's where human nature tends to go if it's not a, a nature that's controlled by the Holy Spirit of God.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so Jacob, this like the stage is set uh, here. Um, you've you've described uh, the the lack of a sense of identity, um, no real sense of. Overarching or transcendent standards or morality—nothing beyond what uh, what our prime minister calls Canadian values, uh, whatever that means. Um, so, yeah, but the the stage is set. There's a real there's a real vacuum here. There's a, people people are are looking for something more meaningful. Um, how how does this how does how is or who is uh, who is bringing this this idea of uh, of nationalism uh, closer to the mainstream
1: right and so there's i mean i think there's good types of nationalism and there's bad types of nationalism and unfortunately when good point. you have a, a godless lawless society that has no fear of god has not been taught the golden rule has not been taught the Ten commandments um I my sense is what you're going to have, and you have a prime minister who has told us we're now a post-national state, but yet you have, you have a significant amount of the population that can trace their ancestry in this country for a very long time.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: question is, is, who are they? Who are they? They're, and they're asking this question, who am I is a Canadian whose grandfather fought in the Second World War, whose great-grandfather fought in the First World War. I can or I can trace my ancestry back to the original Quebecois or I can trace my ancestry back to um uh the uh the loyalists who fled during the revolutionary war. And so these people are asking themselves, who am I? And there are and I think there are characters that are very happy to fill the void with something um that is not good and is not positive. And so as I've had my ear to the ground and as I've been listening to this, I've come in contact with a, a scholar uh, by the name of um Ricardo Duchesne and he's written a book that I've read. He's from uh he's he's a professor at a university in um New Brunswick and I've I've read his one of his books and I've listened to a good deal of number of uh, interviews with him on the internet. The book that I'm most familiar with uh, that he read is written is called Canada in Decay, mass immigration diversity and the ethno side of Euro Canadians. Hmm. And, and so as an academic, he has, he has certainly has credentials behind him. Right. right. um, And there's legitimacy attached to him because he is an ethnic, or uh, an academic, but and, and even the criticisms that he offers of our country and the uh, the culture right now are legit, and some of the things that have happened to it. So, for example, two major um, criticisms that he has offered, which I think are valid, is the first one would be, is, is, he, is, is Canada is a nation of immigrants, is, is something that we're constantly told, and he says that's not true. Um, and I think he has a point in that. He says, we were not founded by immigrants. We were founded by settlers and pioneers, and there's a difference. Hmm. And, and he, I, he's right. Um, and then the second thing that he attacks, I guess the presupposition that he attacks, is that immigration and diversity enrich a nation. And I think he's, I think he's right on that to a point because. You can have a, a peaceful um, uh, nation mm-hmm. uh, that has a level of cohesion to it, but if you start bringing in a great deal of people who are hostile towards your nation, they may d- be diverse, um, but they don't bring with them uh, the benefits that would exist if uh, they were, if there was a, again a, a sense of um, I guess fear of the Lord, or an appreciation of individual rights and freedom, and and so on. So, so I think some of the criticisms that he offers of the present scene, he also offers a, a very strong criticism of some of the historic revisionism that has gone on, um, that we're seeing. And uh, and so some of this is, is very legit stuff, and it's I mean it's it's fairly robust, um, this it's sourced and so on, but. But, I, but there's a, some big problems um, with with what he's saying as far as the solution to this, okay? So again, the criticisms, some of them are very legit, but the solutions that he, are off, he is offering are, in my opinion, um, dangerous. Okay. Okay, all right? And so the solution that he offers is... We need to develop a white identity, um, within, uh, Canada. All right. And so you have, you know, if you, if you go to some of our more diverse cities, you'll, you'll have a, a, a Chinese population and you'll have an Indian population and, and you'll have a Pakistani population or an Islamic population, and they all have their identity, right? Or even Italian or Portuguese, and so on. They all have their identity, and because of multiculturalism. Mm-hmm. And so his point is: is those who have been in the land for a while need to develop their own ethnic identity. We need an, we need an ethnic identity, and but there's there's some significant problems with this. And one is, as I've I've read his book, and as I've listened to him interviewed, he does not appreciate the significance of biblical Christianity, and specifically Protestant Christianity, in the formation of not just our nation, but of of the Anglo-Saxon heritage that we inherited as a a nation, okay? Mm -hmm. There's very little mention of the biblical of the like i actually when i went through his book i underlined every time he talked about um christianity the church the bible god jesus christ and it was just next to nothing there's a few here and there okay and so so he he clearly that he so he's actually rooting the greatness of western civilization but not western civilization in total. although he, he talks about it i mean he's He's, he's studied Western civilization, but Canadian civilization, the greatness of the Canadian people, he roots in whiteness. Okay? I see. And okay, and so he actually um, believes that non-whites, and this is from what he said, and it, it startled me because it's so subtle, but he says non-whites are biologically... Um, incapable of taking on Western values because they have not evolved to that point
0: Oh, it's an evolutionary right. grounding
1: Correct, his presuppositions are evolutionary and and therefore the the non-white population are not capable of taking on these Western values that have built this society um, simply because they haven't evolved to that point, and that's why they're societies from which they have come are not at that point. So, not an appreciation of the biblical foundations of our society, mm-hmm. and an emphasis on evolutionary theory that actually places whites at a higher place on the evolutionary scale intellectually. So that it's because of evolution that we have reached this point in Western civilization is is white people. Um, so those would be two criticisms. One, the underappreciation and uh, and significant of the significance of Christianity and specifically Protestantism.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, another one would be his the presupposition of evolution um and the superiority of I guess white thinking as he would call it or maybe he wouldn't call it that but certainly um biologically whites have reached this point um where they uh have this society um based on evolution but there's another thing that I think he misses too. And that would be because he, he talks sometimes in general about Western civilization, but I think he misses and does not appreciate the uniqueness of the English-speaking West. Okay, so and and the and the very unique heritage of Anglo-Saxon liberty that we can trace back over a millennium in the English-speaking West, from which our parliamentary democracy has come, that um, is, is completely unique um, to the rest of the world. I mean, this is something that the English-speaking West has imported to the rest of the world, and, they have, and, and in some sense has embraced. But, and, and this has come from Christian foundations, yeah. and trials, and wars, and civil wars, and all of this has almost been like a social, not biological evolution, but a social sanctification by God to get us to this, whereby he's providentially used this circumstance to create um, this political system and this way of society that, is, is so, that has been historically so conducive to human flourishing. So he, he misses the Christian aspect. He emphasizes wrongly some type of evolutionary aspect. And I think does not fully appreciate the uniqueness of the English-speaking West.
0: That's an interesting um, if that point. that makes sense. No, that's, that's that's a really interesting point. Um, your other two points I get immediately, but uh, the English-speaking West—that's uh, that's very interesting. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. Um, in in one sense, I'm I'm kind of relieved that he's not trying to. Uh, trying to package his uh, this kind of ideology in a christian rapper I'd, ra- I'd i'd rather not have to go around saying that no he's he's not one of us even though he says he is
1: well i i am too if you i mean i've, I've been on some of his stuff online i've given it, i've given it a cursory, cursory reading he's attacked um at least, uh, it's been a while since I've looked at the webpage, but there was definitely a negativity towards Christianity because he thinks Christians are weak and so on. Um, And so he, yeah, but um, certainly those who would identify as Christian, um, at least one individual has uh, given a platform to his material.
0: That's right. That's right. Isn't this, uh, isn't this the, uh, the intellectual who, uh, who Faith Goldie was, uh, Spent some time interviewing?
1: Yeah, she has interviewed him. She has um, pushed his book, Canada in Decay, which I just mentioned. Mm. Um, And she would identify as, I think, a Roman Catholic. She was a mayoral candidate for the City of Toronto not too long ago.
0: That's right. I mean,
1: I don't know what her views are on a lot of these things specifically, but I certainly know that she has uh, given Ricardo Duchesne and the book that I've mentioned um, a platform and, and a warm platform too. So, yeah.
0: It's, it's funny to me how, or I guess, I guess it's, it's interesting that, uh, that he talks about a white identity. Um, so I mean, like, like you mentioned from the very beginning, his, his presuppositions are, are off. He, like, he misplaces the ground of identity.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the I mean when I when I first started listening to this and trying to discern what's going on my first question is well who gets to define white identity?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because I mean I mean and and not only that I mean there's some pretty big problems if you're going to say whites have evolved to the point where they've created this wonderful civilization because if you really want to be frank it's it's white people who who've also been in control the last 75 50 years who've wrecked it. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, so much for your evolutionary theory, and 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 there's a lot of... So it, he's totally missing something, and there's whites that have led aspects of the Western world, parts of the Western world, that have been absolutely terrible. That's right. Um, I mean, the Bolshevik Revolution being one. I mean, aspects of certainly the French Revolution, were just the blood that flowed through the streets.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But... Um, but then you compare that to the Orange Revolution in England in 1688, or even the American Revolution, yeah. and how seemingly, I mean, the Orange Revolution was bloodless, as yeah. far as I understand, and That's the American nice. Revolution, there was bloodshed, but it was nothing compared to the French Revolution or the Bolsheviks, And and you can trace this. I mean, the English Revolution you can trace it to an influence of Puritanism, and the American Revolution you can trace that to the influence of John West, West or John Wesley and George Whitfield because that came right after their revivals. And so, again, it's it's the Protestant evangelical ethos that has been at the core of English of the English speaking world for a very long time. I mean, even at Confederation, um, within our own country the overwhelming majority of english speaking canadians were under the sound preaching of the gospel um on a weekly basis so it but it but it wasn't until the liberalism and the apostasy of the church within this country specifically the protestant church that you ended up in the place that we are today and which is a total disaster and the bottom the bottom is giving out and um there's very little remnants or vestiges of what was good, even back when I was growing up in the 80s. And then those who grew up in the 70s or 60s or 50s would tell you that the 80s was was pretty degenerate compared to their time. So it, there's, never been a, there's never been a perfect time in, in human history, but there has been healthier times. And we are experiencing a time of of just absolute decay, for sure. And he's identified that, mm-hmm. but he's rooting mm-hmm. it in something um that is that is wrong. I mean it's and dangerous, frankly.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. So yeah, as, as you've mentioned, um, Duchesne, he's uh he's put his finger on uh on a lot on this this sense of of a rootlessness, of a lack of identity amongst uh amongst Canadians. Uh and you've demonstrated pretty convincingly how he's how he's off base in in his solution. Um but uh, but what I- what is the response? What is the response to rootlessness? What is the uh, the biblical gospel saturated answer to the Canadian, the white Canadian, or any Canadian who feels this sense of you know, floating adrift?
1: Right. Well, the Canada is in decay. He's right. Mm-hmm. It's in decay. But by what standard? And the standard by which we would measure it as biblical, And, and so the decadence of Canada is a spiritual issue. And if we really want to get to the core of it, I mean, multiculturalism was the national rejection of a bicultural nationalism that was rooted in Christian presuppositions, okay? So you had English-speaking Canada that was predominantly Protestant, and you had French-speaking Canada that was predominantly Catholic um, that worked together to create a country built on um, Christian foundations. I heard one scholar recently say that in the year 1900, 99% of people in Ontario uh, would have been sitting under the preaching of the gospel um, every Lord's Day.
0: Is that right?
1: So, yes, and that's a very credible source. If I said his name, you'd know him. And so something has happened within the last country or century. Um, now, when we talk about multiculturalism, we're not – there's a difference, I think, between multiculturalism and and being multi-ethnic, right? Like when we're talking about culture, we're – I mean, as, as, you are, as, as, as you at the Ezra Institute and Dr. Boot are, are so – and so while well taught us, culture is the outflow of religion, right? It's the working out of religion and society. Right. And and so when we talk about multiculturalism, we're talking about all cultures being equal. So Christian culture is equal with Islamic culture is equal with transgender culture, right? Mm. I mean this is multiculturalism and this is what we see. Every each everyone does that which is right in his own eyes. And and so but it was an intentional and if you read Mark Knoll's book, um, Whatever Happened to Christian Canada, he brings this out really well. It, it, I mean, Canada moved away from this bicultural um, consensus and, and intentionally moved towards, under Pierre Trudeau, uh, towards multiculturalism. Right. And and this is, and now what we're seeing in our society, um, you know, this, this has been going on for 30 years, an intentional rejection, 40 years, an intentional rejection of biblical Christianity, is is really symptomatic of divine judgment upon our nation. Um, like you are seeing real symptoms of the wrath of God beginning to be poured out upon our country. And this is not something that can be fixed in, in some type of facile, superficial, white identity. It can only be fixed with repentance. And um, there must be a turning back towards Uh, Jesus Christ, and seeking his forgiveness, and submitting to his law, and uh, worshiping him. So the solution ultimately to this is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I mean, I pastor a church that uh, where people come from multiple cultures, and if you came to our church on the Lord's Day, you'd see it's multi-ethnic. I mean, there's people within our congregation that are from all over the world, mm-hmm.
2: the, the Middle
1: East, China, um, parts of Africa, the Caribbean, and um, then you have people like me whose family can, I mean, I can trace my ancestry back in Canada to, you know, the 17th century, oh, um, wow. as far as I can tell, right? I, you know, my, apparently one of our first ancestors was a a de She was one of the king's orphan daughters who was sent over to Quebec to populate the New France, right? And 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 so I mean we're we are a diverse people ethnically within our church and, and culturally. And I personally have given very little thought to building a multi ethnic <coughs> congregation. I've given very little thought to that. Right. Um I've my goal as a pastor has been to preach the gospel and to exposit God's word verse by verse, um and to uh, bring down the pride of man and exalt the glory of God. And, you know, you grow green grass and God's elect, his sheep, come to feast upon it.
2: Mm-hmm. And they
1: stream in regardless of what their background is. And so we've experienced as a church um, a beautiful level of unity and joy and um, and so on in the gospel of Jesus Christ under the sound preaching of God's word, exalting in the triune God in worship, uh, and so I mean the ultimate source of true unity and uh, true flourishing would be in Jesus Christ, and this is and the church is a display of that. It is a display of that, and certainly within our within our community. I mean, you look at you look at what happened at Babel, yeah, and and you had a humanistic society that was. United around its own cause and purposes to exalt the pride of man and God judged them he he confused their languages he scattered them and then in the very next chapter in Genesis chapter 12 what are we told it's going to be through the seed of Abraham Jesus Christ that God is going to reunite the nations under him and they will find their unity um, not on the basis of their whiteness is Duchesne is saying that's crazy, or not on the basis of blackness or whatever your color of skin is, Mm -hmm. but on the basis of Jesus Christ, who is Lord over all. And so I, I mean, you know, if I think people in our country, they can decide to experiment with white identity if they want to. And I think this is happening to some degree right now. There's an undercurrent of it for sure. Um, they can try to try this multicultural thing that is not working out, frankly. Yeah. Um, and uh, the way the Lord has worked, uh, historically, certainly in scripture is, is one of the most terrible judgments of God is when he gives people what they want. And that does not go good. Um, and we will not see true renewal and we will not see a true rescue from the decay that, we are in until there is repentance and there is a turning to Jesus Christ. Um, that is the only hope for our country, our nation, and for any other nation.
0: No, very, very well said. Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, I think, I think it's worth mentioning uh, just to, just to reinforce uh, your point that it's the evolutionary worldview that uh, that even allows for the existence of things like separate races you know, the mm-hmm. the whole biblical uh historical timeline we we all go back to to one human family mm-hmm. um and uh yeah you you just uh, sort one other thing i'm just kind of spitballing all the, all the points that uh, that come out while i'm listening to you but uh as uh, as you as you mentioned babel and as you mentioned God's judgment in giving people what they want in their, in their unregenerate hearts. Um, Babel, the, the, the goal of Babel was self-consciously to be as God. And mm-hmm. God comes down there and he says, you know, one of the, uh, one of the key features of, of God is that God speaks. And mm-hmm. back to creation, God, God speaks creation into existence. God says you you want to be like God. Here's, you know, go ahead, speak your own words. Like this is uh this is what it's like to to be God. And when there's no no transcendent unifying um authority behind that, it come it comes out as as nonsense to uh to anyone who's not uh, to anyone who is set up uh who is also setting themselves up as their own god.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we do not, and this is essentially what happens in um, when you have a a government that pronounces that ultimate goodness is allowing people and society pronounces that ultimate goodness is allowing people to do what they want in their own life and and tolerating manifold, um, blatant displays of pride and uh, vulgarity and. Um, corruption.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, this is this this is a group of people who individually are are even within government has declared themselves to be Lord God overall. That's right. And, and have overthrown, have attempted at least o- to overthrow King Jesus. And uh, until there is a repentance for that. And until there is a turn—I mean, God is very—I mean, He is very forgiving, and He is very long-suffering. We see this in Scripture. That's right. And He he he, invites—He's still raising up gospel preachers to invite this nation, um, to invite the people within this country to repentance. And and He will bless when that occurs, um, with this presence of His Spirit and with wisdom and righteousness. But— uh certainly what's going on right now and what uh Duchesne and uh and others are advocating for, um, <laughs> it's just gonna lead to more problems because it's attempt well it's a in one sense it's an attempt to heal the wound lightly. That's right. Um and it's fleshly. Like it's so easy to say, Well, I'm white, therefore I have a white identity and um <laughs> that's gonna fix things. Well, and to actually repent and admit sin and submit to the law of the lord is uh goes against our human nature and that is something that can only happen supernaturally
0: amen amen and amen um, <clears throat> jacob I, I really appreciate your time here um before, before i let you go for any any listeners who want to uh want to learn more about this subject um whether from reading it reading from its source uh which uh, which is usually a good idea or else or else from from trying to get a a real biblical perspective on this issue uh what are some uh what are some sources that you'd recommend well i mean ryan i've, I've most of my notes
1: is i critique critiqued Duchesne. i've i've simply i haven't seen any critiques of Duchesne, so i'm <laughs> I've done it, um, as I've read it and I've taken, read his stuff and listened to him and I've, I've, um, I've put them down on paper. So,
0: okay. So I'll I'm just, not... uh, I'll just put your personal number out, uh, for anyone who wants to find out <laughs> yeah. about this.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I, hopefully this podcast is a start for people to think through, um, things. Um, but I, beyond that, I'm not, I I think that you at the Ezra Institute have, offer a number of, of resources that pertain pertains to cultural theology. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I but I, I beyond that I'm not exactly sure uh where to go uh as far as finding critiques or reviews. I mean ultimately I go to scripture and and so on, but yeah.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Well, you can uh, you can do no better than uh than getting back to scripture anyway. Mm-hmm. Jacob, I uh, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate the uh, the insight and the uh, the dedication that you have um, to the truth and to the uh, the identity in Christ, um, and the time that uh, that we can have together here.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. And I, I'm glad that you're willing to take on difficult topics like this. And my sense is that this particular one will become we'll see is more and more of an issue in our own context and um uh, but i i think that you're doing a wonderful job there at the ezra institute and i appreciate the good work you're offering in
0: this podcast even that you're producing oh it's encouraging to hear thank you thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the ezra institute for contemporary christianity please take a moment to like share and rate the podcast on social media and your favorite listening platform for more resources, please visit www.esrainstitute.ca.